this company, it started as me seeing a need that I thought needed to be filled. It was a very simple idea, but over the course of the last six years, it's become a mission, like a deep philosophical reason. I feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing, which is to create a shift in our consciousness around consumerism, the sustainability aspect of clothing, the ethical aspect of how it's manufactured. I think we need to buy less and choose well. Like we need to stop consuming so much. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, sexuality and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Last night was our live show. It was so amazing, you guys. I'm just, I just, I have the hiccups. I'm not drunk. <laughs> It was so amazing, you guys. I am blown away by all of you. And if you missed it, please come to the next one. There will be more. I loved having the live energy of the audience. The live show was amazing. And I'm just come to the next one if you missed it, because it was a great time. And this month's give is Every Mother Counts. So as always, you can go to my giving page and check them out there, make a donation there, or you can go to their page and donate directly. I mean, you're donating directly, whether you go to my page or not, it's just, you can click click to me through them. Anyway, it's just basically me giving them props and saying how amazing they are. And that if you're going to give your money to something, give it to them because they help mothers all over the world to achieve healthy pregnancies, healthy births, healthy postpartum. And we need so much more of that everywhere, especially especially in countries where it just isn't even available at all. So there's that. And today's guest is Katie Brown. Katie came to me through the World Wide Web. And I'm so glad she did because A, I got to meet her and see her brilliance. Although we haven't actually met in person, we did the interview um, online. And she lives in Oregon, but she comes down to LA sometimes. And um, she's just brilliant. She's a, she's an entrepreneur. She's truly an entrepreneur. And she's a restaurateur. She's a clothing designer. Um, she has a clothing line, a Katie Brown LA. I was lucky enough to receive a few gifts from her after we recorded the podcast. And I, I constantly tell her, because we talk on the phone now all the time, that I live in the tank top that she gave me. It's the soft white spaghetti strap tank top that I just, it's my favorite thing to wear. I literally wear it almost every day. I do wash it, you guys, but um, but I only line dry it. I don't dry it because it's very soft, soft, soft cotton. So anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Katie. I just, I'm in love with this woman and we've since become really good friends. And I just, I love that about this process that I get to connect with so many powerhouse women and align with them and become friends with them and and do projects with them and talk about big ideas with them. And I mean, what's better than that? You know, really just that having that connection and community. And that's what I want to build, not just for myself, but for all of you guys, you know, so um, come to the next live event. It was really fun. And uh, there will be more, there will be a lot more and bigger and more and other places. And I'll share more about that as I discover what it's going to be. 
but um, please enjoy my conversation with Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi. So happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here with you. I adore what you're doing. I think you're fabulous. Thank you so much. Right back at you. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your business. I'm going to start with that because it's so fascinating and I and I'm I'm really enjoying your Instagram feed and what you do and your messaging but I want for our listeners can you tell uh, them about what it is that you do. The background is I think an interesting component of it because the idea for this company that I have now which is called Katie Brown LA it's a consolidated line of timeless classic basics that are made in Los Angeles. So it came to me in this very interesting way. I was a restaurant owner, restaurateur for many years. And when the last one, uh, the landlord was selling it. And so I knew that I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to do restaurants anymore. And I was sitting outside. It was a very warm October afternoon thinking, what do I want to do next? It's got to be entrepreneurial. I don't want to go work for somebody else. And a woman walked into the ballet school across the street wearing a striped boat neck shirt. And all of a sudden I had this revelation, which was I've always loved that style so much, just the classic timeless look. And I didn't have a brand that I liked. So I just, within like a 30 second period of time, I thought that's what I'm going to do next. I'm going to start a clothing line that's going to be just really high quality, classic basics for women because I didn't have a company that I liked anymore. And that was the beginning of this journey, which is now six and a half years old. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that moment of clarity and inspiration. That's just like a lightning bolt. That's what I call it all the time. It was like a lightning bolt hit my, yeah, Yeah. hit me in that moment because I was sitting outside just so focused on what is the next chapter of my life, you know? And I instantly knew that I would want to have it made in the US. And Mm. so I spent a year researching and writing a business plan because I had no clue how to start a clothing line. I mean, there was nothing in my past. I'm not even a clothes, like a clothes nut. Like I just, I'm a very casual and basic, but then halfway through that year, I was listening to NPR and Rana Plaza collapsed in Bangladesh where 1100 women and children died and they were making the fast fashion, cheap clothing for Western cultures. So at that moment, I had this epiphany that above and beyond this idea of creating a really good basics line, we needed to start tapping into the ethics and the sustainability aspect and all these different components that really go into fashion that I had never thought about. That was the beginning of that aspect of this journey. I love that. I love that. So, and at the time that you had this lightning bolt experience, how old, and you, how many kids do you have? I have two. How old were they when you had this lightning bolt experience? Let's see, it was six years ago. So 13 and um, nine. Okay. Wow. So you were, you were still really in it. I mean, you're always in it as I'm learning. My son's almost 10 and it's like, but that you're still like, Oh yeah. Busy. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how did you manage? I mean, you'd already been a restaurateur, so you'd already done it whilst having, whilst, whilst being a mom. Mm-hmm. So you had sort of the a template, but this was a new sort of foreign experience of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to start my own clothing line. I'm going to do something different and with all of these, with your manifesto in place, like how did you balance that while having a teenager and a basically a tween, almost a tween? It was actually um, in contrast or by contrast, very easy because I opened my first restaurant when my son, who's the older one, was two and a half. My daughter wasn't even born then. 
And then we opened my best friend and I, Sarah, she's the chef on the other half. We opened four restaurants in about five year period and they were all going. So we had 130 employees, five kids under the age of 10 between the two of us. It was insanity. I mean, like totally crazy, crazy. The restaurant business is notorious for it's just like constant. There's no, you can't, you're constantly working. It's what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, obviously if we have four locations, then we have GMs in place and, you know, we have systems in place, but, um, but even still that you two are the the top. So everyone's going to come to you. Yeah. It was a lot. And I, I remember, um, I remember this moment when I was driving and I really considered myself like a, this is going to sound weird, but like a stay at home mom, even though I wasn't, but I was the Mm -hmm. one who got the kids up every day you know, took them to all doctor's appointments, made all the meals, took them to preschool. All that stuff was my role because I wanted it. Right. And I remember I got to this point where it felt like there was a bow constrictor around my neck all the time. Like the tension was so intense. And I remember saying to myself, get it together. You just need to change the way you're thinking about things because you can do this. You can do more. Like you're just, the reality was I was doing too much. I learned that lesson in retrospect. There is a limit, you know, and that I think it's really important to be cognizant of what our limits are. And so take what care did of you ourselves. change <laughs> when you realized that? What, what, what changes did you make or what solution did you seek? They came kind of over a period of time, I would say. It took me a long time to recognize that I didn't want to be in that, what I call Ferrari fifth gear mode all the time. <laughs> I love that phrase. That's yeah. so good. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Please do spread it because I think that um, from firsthand experience, but also just talking to all my girlfriends over the years, it's really sadly common that we as women try to do so much, you know, and yet I can speak for myself feeling like I'm not doing anything as well as I could be. So it's this constant cycle internally and we're setting ourselves up for failure and really missing out on some of the most rich aspects of life. Absolutely. Oh, my dog's coming in for a visit. Oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> um, that was a nice one-hand movement you did. You've done that before. <laughs> I'm like, swoop. Okay, out of the frame. Yeah. Um, it's always a circus here. Uh, so, okay. So, yeah. So the and it's true. You know, it isn't like because you know I've had my 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 own journey with exactly what you're talking about. And it isn't, it isn't one thing. It isn't one practice. It isn't one philosophy that helped me change that over time. It's just little adjustments and things and learning, learning about myself and how I process that kind of helped me, I guess, let go of that old idea that I can and that I have to do everything mm-hmm. and that I'm a, I'm a success or failure if I do or don't. It's just like, no, it's just life. And <laughs> like, it you is. Know. It is. But also, I think what I find really fascinating is this idea of questioning my thoughts, questioning my beliefs. And and so when I get down on myself for not having done a certain thing with my children as I raised them, you know, I mean, I've been a really hands-on mother. I still find these areas where I'm like, oh my God, I didn't do that nearly well enough, you know? And I'm, mm. I have to force myself to step back for a moment and say, you know what? My kids are super healthy. They're thriving. We have great family time, you know, and that I'm learning that the thoughts I choose to feed myself are really, are really important. And that I do have more control over my thought process than I recognized before when I was younger. (laughs) Yes. It's so true. Yeah. 
It's so true. And I've noticed that also, I was just sharing today uh, with another mom that um, I've recently sort of, and I don't take credit for this or, you know, but again, it's like all these little adjustments over the, over the years, but I lately have been experiencing just a little less general anxiety and a lot more ability to just kind of relax and be in the moment. I don't know if that's just a product of getting older. I'm almost 44. My son's getting older, but I also can sort of step back and say, he's only going to be little, you know, for a few more years and then he's going to be a teenager. So speaking of which, so now your kids are, so they're uh, 19. 19. Oh my God. 15, What's that yeah. like? <gasps> it's a, it's a trip. My yeah, my 19's out of the house oh. and uh, doing great. And my daughter is almost 16 and she's just oh a firecracker. Gosh. She is so hilarious. Always has been since she was little. Oh. But it's a trip to see her blossoming into this young woman. And yeah. I just stare at her. Like we drove to Portland um, two days ago for a baby shower and she was in the back seat with her friends. And I kept looking at her in the rearview mirror, like, and all I could see was her nose up, her eyes, and everything. And yeah. she was finally like, "Mom, stop looking at me, <laughs> stop staring at me." And I was just, mm. I was marveling at this young woman mm. that I see, you know, coming out. Not my little girl anymore, but it's, it's amazing. Oh. The journey is amazing. It's just incredible. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. Oh. There's nothing like it. Nothing There's really like nothing it. like it. Yeah. And do you have a partner? Are you married or do you have? I'm, no, I'm divorced from their dad. You're divorced. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, and how long have you been a single mom? Well, 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But we, we co-parent so well. We are such good friends. We, we so still spend holidays together. We just didn't make it as a married couple, but we were really, really supportive of one another. And I. That's so great. I'm so grateful for that. I have a very similar situation and I just thank the heavens all yeah. the time because. It's uh yeah, my ex-husband's awesome. Isn't like he's great? really great. He's really great with our son. We can talk about anything. Uh -huh. I don't cringe when the phone rings and it's him. Like we yeah. still make each other laugh all the time. We spend every holiday together as a family. I mean, that could change. Like he could get remarried or, you know, I don't know. But I like to think that even if and when he does or I do or whatever, that can still exist. I think it has a lot to do with the intention you have. And it sounds like if you guys are getting along as well as you are, he has the same intention. And the goal is largely, if not 100%, the well-being of the children, right? Yes. And then yes. also our well-being, that whole saying yes. about, you know, we need to put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we put it on yep. our children, which is a hard yep. concept on some level. But if we're not doing well, we can't yep. give our kids the best that we want. I just killed a mosquito and I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> oh my God. These little fuckers. <laughs> oh my God. Did you see that? I was like, I want to get it. And you I did. don't know where it went, but I know I killed it. I saw it, it land on the pillow. Oh, it didn't even take I, me that long. <laughs> you were like, I see you focus for about three seconds and then you just got it. <laughs> I was so determined. We have this mosquito thing last summer. It was so bad. And I am so determined not to have it again because my son and I were just covered in mosquito bites. And I'm like, God, it feels like the end of the world. Like, you know. Yeah, you're being attacked. Anyway, yes, I love that. I love that you and I have that shared uh, experience um, or similar experience. Do you find that that's rare? Oh, God, it's so rare. So I mean, rare. You're one of the few people, few single moms that I can have that conversation with. And, and you have a similar experience. Most divorced women that I speak to 
only have terrible things to say about their ex-husbands. And, I know. And, and maybe rightfully so. I don't, it's, it, every situation is so different, but um, that is not my situation. And I'm so grateful every day for it. Well, and again, that kind of ties back in coincidentally to what I was talking about before, which is the power of our thoughts. You know, I mean, yes. I grew up, my mother was a, um, a trainer for NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming, which mm. is, you know, the idea of intentionally thinking and being aware of how you form your thoughts. And, yes. and, you know, obviously, if you get married, and you have kids, and then you don't stay married, something didn't work out, whatever that is, right. that's a personal aspect, obviously, right. but but how amazing would it be to just still get along and raise your kid in a bubble of love and support? Your yes. kid is going to benefit. Yes. So I just, I am a major proponent of, of letting go of our own shit around our exes so that we can yes. co-parent beautifully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I have to say our son is, um, I mean, he has normal child things that kids have and but we deal with it as a family. Like he's dyslexic. And so his dad and I got him into a, a specialized school. He's doing great. Mm-hmm. He has issues going back and forth because it's hard it's going hard. back and forth. I know. We deal with it together as a family. I'll talk to his dad about it and be like, you know, he's feeling this way. I just want you to know he's coming to you like this. His dad's like, okay, great. Thank you for letting me know. And Awesome. Good for you. So Good for great. you. So yeah. I just, yeah, super, super grateful about that. So, but back to your amazing clothing line. So you're six years into this. Mm-hmm. When you were birthing this first off and, and you're now, when you started this, did you, you were solo entrepreneur or solopreneur, whatever they call it. And mm-hmm. you've been in a partnership with your best friend for the restaurants. Yeah. So what was different about starting it on your own, A, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then B, what was the process like of of sourcing that and and just figuring out all the business stuff and oh God. how do you make clothes how do you how do you make and sell clothes yeah it's been um it has been what i call a straight up learning curve the entire time i miss deeply the collaboration that i had with my best friend but the cool thing is she still lives here in this town where i live which is eugene oregon and we are each other's psychological, emotional, everything crutch. We talk every day. Mm. She has her own restaurant again, and she's starting a subscription box company. She's already started it. She's the best chef I've ever known. So she's just amazing. So the thing is, we get to still help each other, and we just totally get one another. So it's really such Mm. a blessing for me. But also Mm. then going into this reality of being a solo founder, the yin-yang aspect of it, the two sides... I've been able to figure out exactly what I want to create, which is an interesting process, right? Because before we collaborated on everything and we happened to get Mm -hmm. along really well and co-create really well. So it's been a journey for me to Mm -hmm. uh, figure out what I want this to be as a company. It's been very lonely in many ways, just being a solo founder. And I mentor and do different things with other entrepreneurs. And I, I really talk about that. Like, think about if you want to be a solo founder, How are you going to create a team and how are you going to keep your own internal fire going? Because it's hard. And how do you keep your internal fire going? This company, it started as me seeing a need that I thought needed to be filled. It was a very simple idea. But over the course of the last six years, it's become a mission, like a deep philosophical reason. I feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing, which is to create a shift in our consciousness around consumerism 
the sustainability aspect of clothing, the ethical aspect of how it's manufactured. I think we need to buy less and choose well. Like we need to stop consuming so much. Oh, amen. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, I feel like this company, my company, could be the equivalent of what Whole Foods did for organic food. You know, because really before Whole Foods became what it did become, organic food and slow food and locally blah, 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 was kind of the, not kind of, it was like a peripheral hippie co-op store. Yeah, mom and pop. Yeah, yeah totally. Which I love, that's where I shop I spent a lot anyway. of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And yeah. that's like a slow food concept mentality, right? To be mm. tuned in to where your product is grown, raised, sourced, manufactured, processed. Yeah. And there's a massive disconnect that we are dealing with in terms of the mindset of the consumer and what the consumer holds the power, right? I mean, the consumer yeah. holds the dollar in their hand. So whatever yeah. the consumer supports is what's going to live or die. And we as consumers, we as women, I believe, we're at a critical crossroads here. I mean, climate change is, is real. We have kids. We need to be thinking about how to address this. And I want my company to become a guiding light, a massive force in shifting our consciousness around what we buy and how we make those decisions, you know? And mm. there are so many things going on right now that actually weren't when I started the company as much as they are now, like the extended size run. Mm. 65 to 70% of women are a size 14 and over in our country. And yet mm. they've been massively underserved. So yeah, that's now all changing. You know, the whole Marie Kondo movement where you yeah. simplify and minimalistic creating a minimalistic approach to how you live. Mm -hmm. I think I think we deal with decision fatigue, especially as women, a lot of the time. Mm. Just too much coming at us all the time. Yeah. So it's so true. It is. And just calming down and slowing down. Yeah. Is important. Yeah. Well, and it's true. It's like speaking of wardrobe specifically, I am such a creature of habit and I wear the same sweatpants and sweatshirt almost every day. Not the same exact. I have like two or three, you know, <laughs> a variety, but yeah. I have a uniform. I have a uniform. And then I have like some nice clothes that I wear, but like my closet, I have like a small walk-in closet and much of it is bare in the hanging area because I just, over the last several years, I really came to realize I used to love shopping when I was in my like late 20s, early 30s. I don't like going shopping. I don't like the experience of going shopping. Mm -hmm. If I do, I prefer to go to like a small um, privately owned boutique and support local designers here mm -hmm. or order online. But generally, like you said, I've just toned down because I used to have all these clothes and I wouldn't wear half of them, more than half of them. No, you know, I mean, the standard is we, and I've, I've talked to thousands of women now because I've been selling for so long, but we reach for about 15 to 20% of our closet. That's our go-to. So yeah. what if you get rid of everything else, you know, and you just have totally. the pieces you love and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I did that. I didn't get the Marie Kondo book and do that, but I just kind of have, have been doing a version mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't have clothes anymore that I, cause I don't, I also it, it stops me several years ago. I did this thing. My mentor was doing it and she said, I'm doing a year of no personal shopping. This was like, gosh, maybe eight or nine years ago. I said, Ooh, what's that? She said, well, I'm not going to buy any personal items, makeup, you know, uh, unless it's a need. 
unless it's a specific need. Like, oh, I need a shirt because I don't have a shirt to go with this thing and I have to wear this outfit to this event or something like that. Mm -hmm. I need lipstick because all my other lipsticks are used up. I need shampoo because my... I did that for two years. I ended up doing that. That's what changed it for me. Mm-hmm. First of all, I saved so much money. <laughs> I saved so much money because I also used it as an opportunity to calculate. Like I would take it and go, well, I'm thinking of buying that. What would I've spent? So I, I tallied up what I didn't spend. That was fascinating. Uh-huh. And then I found that it was really, it made me, as you said, more discerning about, well, why do I need this? And what is the emotions coming up that make me need this? Or, or if I do have an actual need, what is it that I'm going to put my money in? What kind of product am I going to buy? Is it going yeah. to be a shampoo that is natural or that's made here? Or is it going to be, and wow, that really just opened my mind up to mm-hmm. something I had never really thought about as a consumer. That's called so conscientious do... consumerism. Conscientious oh, consumerism, right? You're, okay. It's doing it with intention. You're paying attention. Yeah. 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 And For I you. was not before. I was not before. I, I really not. wasn't. No. I know most people I, are it not. Was, um, and it's not like I'm shouting it and saying, oh, I'm so great. But I'm just, it feels better to me is the more of the point. Like it feels better to me. It's more manageable to me. And uh-huh. I can enjoy the process and I can just enjoy like life within the realm of the material things. So anyway, I just, it, you're getting me jazzed up. That's why I'm going on about this rant because I'm just so excited about what you're doing and what you're spreading and how it's helping women. And I want to talk about the the size issue because I think uh-huh. that's so fascinating of, I remember, oh gosh, I'm 5'11", and probably now I weigh about 100, maybe 150 pounds. I was a model a thousand years ago in New York and I was 18 and I weighed 117 pounds. Oh my gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it still wasn't skinny enough in their eyes. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, okay. And it was like, if you couldn't fit in a size two or a four, there was something horribly wrong with you. And there's all these women, these girls really, that are my height. And they're like, you need to fit into a size two or four. And it's like, wow. And that's the messaging. It is it is changing and getting better. That was 20, that was, gosh, 25 years ago. But it's still such an issue of very few companies are taking models and women that have normal size bodies and using that as their example. And some companies are like Glossier. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I I really love that company. Well, of course you are right, Doc, because you're in the business, (laughs) but like they do. And so what made you aware of this and, and how did you decide to start implementing this and what has been the results with your company? Yeah. So when I ordered my first line, right, the first launching line, I ordered a two, two, one, meaning two times the small, two times the, the medium, and then half of the large. And then I sold out of the large first, which was an eye opener. Is two, two, one, like the industry standard for what you normally, or for what like people tell you to order when you're ordering your first? You know, I don't know. I don't okay. know if that's industry I was just curious. standard. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that if you become experienced in, in this world, the experience will lead to what my experience was because we're talking about, you know, almost three quarters of our, of our female society is a 14 and over. So that's a substantial yeah. amount, but most lines don't go past a size 12. But in the last five years, since I actually, well, four and a half years is when I started actually selling the clothing. Once I got the whole thing completed, 
some big companies have come out like Dia and company and okay. universal standard Eloquy. So the shift is happening extremely fast. Like okay. there's tremendous power behind this and it's great. You know, like the whole idea of inclusive sizing, you know, mm. the thing that I want to do, I haven't done my extended size run yet because I'm in the process now of raising around to scale mm. my company. I've still okay. been like in the bootstrap phase this whole time, yeah. which has been intense, <laughs> but yeah. I'm ready to now scale it. And, um, and I have not had it yet, but I have women. I just did a trunk show last week up in Portland and I had a handful of women who are probably 14, 16, maybe an 18. And they were so excited to learn that there will at some point soon, hopefully be the extended size run in my line because of the style of my line. It's so classic and timeless. It just, it speaks to women as young as 15 and as old as 80. And, um, and really focusing on comfort, you know, and just mm. put on your comfortable favorite pieces and go out in your day and spend your energy on other things. Oh, and feel good. Feel effortlessly. good. That yeah. sounds great. Sign it, me up. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yes, it totally is. And I, once I get the extended size run completed, I'm not going to call it plus or curvy. It's just going to be mm. sizes, women shopping alongside women. Like I'm not going to have any special term for the women who fall into that size category. Right. You know, for me, I think growing up and, and also again, like in my twenties and post the modeling thing, that, that was so traumatizing for me that yeah. I left New York and I just went running back to academia and I didn't wear makeup for, I think four years. I just wore a ball cap and my North face fleece that I was so happy <laughs> to be in a classroom. I was like, Oh uh, God, you guys don't know how tough it is out there. You should be like, you know, it's, yeah. it's really, this is the safe place. But I, you know, there was there was a lot of shame around in in the in the female culture of of young girls in high school and then in college of, you know, if you're over a certain size, it's like so shameful to admit. And I remember several years ago, my then husband's niece, one of them, he has this huge family. He's he used to be Catholic. Um, or was raised Catholic, I should say. Mm -hmm. And he comes from Louisiana. So big family. Mm -hmm. And that was fun for me because I'm an only child. So I'd go down and, and he had all these beautiful teenage nieces, right? And that was just like so fun for me. And I had a stepdaughter too through him, his first daughter. And we'd go shopping. I would take them shopping. And one of the girls was 14. I took her shopping and she was having some body issues. And long story short, we were at J. Crew, and the size six skirt was fitting her just fine. And she said, no, 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 I think I can fix the four. Yeah. And my heart just sank, you know, and I was just like, honey, <laughs> you know, and she, she ended up buying the four. I remember this so clearly. And there was like, I wasn't her mom and it, it wasn't the time or the place to have, she wasn't inviting conversation, but, and I will say now, this was many, many years ago. Now that child is in college and she's thriving and she's so happy in her body and she's worked through a lot of the things, but it was such an in-your-face moment of this beautiful young 14-year-old girl having this, just identifying with a number on the tag of a skirt and having that define her value and having to kind of say, no, I have to have this size. Oh, anyway, it's just you talking about this reminded me of that. It's still rampant. Yeah. I mean, oh. it is it is not subsided. And I did a trunk show fairly recently and... There was a woman, I don't know, maybe early 40s, who was very slender. Like her legs, mm. 
basically like toothpicks, you know, I mean, like Mm. no fat, no Mm. curve, anything. And she Mm. said to me, as she grabbed the inner part of her thigh, she said, I've got a lot of flab right here. So Uh. I, and I I just looked at her and I said, you know what? You don't, you don't. Mm. And I've done that now over the last four and a half years with so many women, because I knew that that mentality within women existed. But Mm -hmm. now that I've been selling directly to women where we have trunk shows where women, you know, there's like 15, 20 women trying on clothes, everyone's commenting, the amount of self-ridicule and Mm -hmm. basically kind of like a version of self-hatred, you know, non-love is Mm. staggering, staggering. And it's because we're fed this bullshit from the time we're little from all these ads. Have you heard of a documentary called Embrace? No, but I want to. It sounds amazing. I pass it on to every single woman I talk to. Okay. You know, to any kind of substantial point. Um, And I hope that your listeners will check it out. Okay. The basic premise of it is this woman in Australia who had three kids and hated her body so much that she decided to become a bodybuilder. Her name is Taryn Brumfit. And she was on stage as a bodybuilder, you know, like what you would imagine as a bodybuilder. And she realized she wasn't any happier. She was depriving herself of all these Mm. things, working her ass off. And so one night right before going to bed, she posted a before and after on Facebook. And the before was the bodybuilder part of her. And then the after was her sitting on a stool, a side view with a mom body, you know, like just with nothing on. Everything's covered. So it's decent. But you could see the stomach, the the realities, you know, that women really experience. And it went viral. It went viral around the world. And so she made this documentary and even the trailer will bring tears to your eyes. It's so powerful. I can't wait. Embrace? Embrace. Okay, cool. Check it out. That sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And, and, and men, you know, I, I don't want to sound, I think sometimes I come off as like, Oh, men have it easy. Like, I don't think that. I don't think that. I think men have many struggles and and our young boys have struggles as well. They're different struggles. But men, a man's not going to come into a fashion show and squeeze his thigh and say, oh, I've got flab. That's just not going to happen. No. Or even if he's got a gut, he's not going to say, oh, I have this gut. I'm, sh- I'm ashamed of it. Maybe there's shame or whatever. And they ha- have body issues as well. Again, I'm not saying that men don't have. But there's just no it's nothing to the degree of the pressure that we, and the messaging that we continually get through media. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So I love that you are taking part in this movement. Now tell me about the sustainability issue, because that's, that's a word we hear a lot, but I'd love to kind of dig deeper into what that actually means as far as clothing manufacturing. Yeah. So the supply chain is important. You know, um, cotton, for example, is a highly polluted crop. There is so much water that is used, but there's also so many pesticides. So the idea of Mm -hmm. using organic cotton, sustainable fabrics, you know, that are not laden with plastics and chemicals and that sort of thing. For me, sustainability and ethical production also taps into the idea of producing here at home. Like when I launched, when I had this idea, I looked at Portland, Oregon, to see if there was anyone who could produce for me and no one could at the Mm -hmm. scale that I wanted. And San Francisco is the next closest city. I don't really know San Francisco well, but I know LA very well. I was born there and I've lived there many times. And so from my perspective, LA was the closest place that I could produce my clothing line. And that idea of like slow food where you tap into who grows it, 
slow fashion is is tapping into the whole process from the fabrics that are that are um, being produced to who's making your clothing you know because it's been astonishing to me since I launched uh, KBLA there are companies who start their mission their company their clothing line with the intent of making in the US making their line in the USA and then they end up outsourcing it to save of money a couple right. bucks and i just feel like all of that is backwards we need mm. to we need to care more about who and how and why and where and buy less you know mm-hmm. so the idea that the the bottom line that you know you want to scrape pennies off of that cost so that you can make a little bit more profit yeah is a problem yeah well and it makes sense i mean I, and i think too yeah i mean like, gosh my mind's racing with so many things about that but it is true there's like and it, the word greed comes to mind but it's that's not even really the appropriate word it's sort of just like it's almost like that fear mentality of like if i if i if i make the best quality product but i don't mark it up i can't mark it up so much more because my customer won't be able to afford it then i won't have enough instead of like i'm going to make it with the best quality product and give my customer the best quality product at the price point and feel good about it and know that, you know, they're getting a good quality. I'm still going to make some profit. I can still run my business. Yeah. But I think it's that big business mentality of like, oh, you got to make millions or you're a failure. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think that is? Because you're a small company. So yeah, I'm a very small company. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, You know, like if you buy a shirt at Old Navy or Gap or this is my assessment. Like I don't have yeah. proof. Maybe the CEO of these companies would argue with me about right. this. But just your experience, yeah. Quality is not at the top of their list. No. And the way in which their impact occurs, like based on what they produce, the impact that they cause on the planet, you know, apparel mm. is up there. Some people say the second biggest polluter behind oil. Wow. But if it's not literally in that position, it is right up there. So wow. it's really significant. And most people don't even think about it. So when you go to Old Navy and you find t-shirts, you know, for $4.99, if you stop and think about it, if there's even a profit being made, which there has to be because Old Navy is still around. Sure. What was that person paid to make that shirt? Oh, I you know? always think that. I'm like, like yeah. what? It's easy to have the idea out of sight, out of mind, you know? Yeah. That's so interesting. So Gosh, I mean, yeah, that makes so much sense. And and the pollution piece. And oh, we were talking about how much someone gets paid. Forget about the child labor thing, which is still an issue. You think about the people, how these people are treated in these factories and what they're earning, what they're not earning. Gosh, we've covered so much. Um, but you know, something I would like to share is on, yeah, this, on, on the subject of the whole level of awareness and therefore action around the ideas of sustainability and conscientious consumerism. I feel like in some ways this might even be getting more and more concentrated as a reality, but there's a lot of bad news that we get bombarded with almost daily. If you just pay attention to the news, it's almost endless. Yeah. And so what I witnessed firsthand is when I would talk to these women face-to-face at these trunk shows and talk about the realities of the apparel world and overconsumption and all of that, most of the time I would get like a glazed overlook. And I think that part of that is mm. because we're saturated and we don't know how to make a difference. And so I came up with this idea. It's kind of like a, a basic roadmap, which is mm-hmm. uh, connect, inspire, 
educate, lead. And so that process is first, how do you connect with someone and get them to hear what you have to say? And then they Mm -hmm. have to feel inspired. And then Mm -hmm. you've got to educate them when they're in that mindset and then lead because, you know, it's, um, I can speak for myself. I think it's really overwhelming most of the time to hear about all these things that are going on around the world and to feel like, I don't even know how to make a dent. You know, I don't know Mm -hmm. how to help, but that's where I think that, uh, there's a huge opportunity to create awareness and to share the wisdom and, and shift the way we're doing things so that we stop taxing our planet so heavily. Absolutely. And, you know, as you were saying that acronym, I don't know if you know this, but it spells CL, the acronym of what you, it I spells CL, which in French means sky. Well, look at you. You're so smart. <laughs> <was> so no, <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's how, now watch, we're going to go look it up. And it's like, no, Jen, it doesn't, it doesn't spell sky in I French. You just, I'm writing it but down. I'm, I'm pretty sure it does. In fact, I'm going to okay. have to look it up while I'm on the thing with you because, <laughs> yep, it is. I was right. Okay. I did live in France for a semester, so something sunk in. Okay, that was that was really impressive. Anyway, that's an interesting metaphor for what you're doing. It totally is. I love it. Yeah. I'm so happy that came to you and you said, <laughs> it. you said it out loud. Well, okay, so we've come to the time when I ask you the questions, which unfortunately I have to go back into the den of the forest <laughs> to grab my sheet because I left it. So going back into the jungle... look out for the tigers and bears and lions oh yeah oh my it's never a dull moment on the milf podcast i will tell you that i will tell you that okay but it's quiet out here for the moment so we'll try to get through this too much anarchy too much chaos okay all right what do you think about katie when you hear the word milf i can't help but think of what i knew it to be which is mother i'd like to fuck but now that I came across your podcast and I came across you and your podcast through Jen Pasteloff, who I adore. Like me too. Yeah, she's amazing. She's um, so incredible. Now it means something different to me because I've read your description, which is, you know, mothers who birth multiple things, essentially. And so yeah. to me, it, it's about connecting and talking with and extracting ideas from women who are engaging in something that means something to them and wanting to connect and share their wisdom, hopefully. Um, And I think there's just a huge potential audience out there for women to listen to what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're a part of it. This is really, I'm just so glad to know you now. Super honored. (laughs) All right. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? That's actually a good one because I've said this out loud to a few people recently that I am I have changed my mind about how I communicate with people about certain subjects or issues where before I really came from a position of never wanting to hurt anyone's feelings, going Mm -hmm. through this whole psychoanalytical process, overanalyzing, being concerned. And now I'm really, I changed my mind and I'm focusing on instead, definitely coming from a place of integrity, of Mm -hmm. integrity, but feeling like I'm giving myself total permission to say what I feel and what I think. Mm, hallelujah to that. And it's been working really well. Like I'm digging it. I'm digging That's awesome. it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That's very cool. How do you Thank define you. success? I think that's kind of uh, something that ebbs and flows and changes. But for me, ultimately, success is a balance between 
self-care, which I very recently implemented. As of six months ago, I started doing hot yoga like five days a week. Mm. And that has been incredible. Before that, I've never been someone who's stuck with any regiment. So that level of self-care is creating shifts in me, like the ability to communicate super clearly with integrity. Family time. I'm a big proponent of family dinners. So I forever, for years, since my kids were born, I have family dinners at my house where I cook a big meal, Mm. all the family that I can you know, have come over and we all have our chaotic, lovely, beautiful experience and it's magic Mm -hmm. and the kids all really benefit from it as does everybody else. So to me, it's a combination of um, self-care, pursuing what is important to you in a way that feeds your soul career-wise or even, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for the first couple of years and that is the hardest job. It's harder than anything else I've ever done. So me too. when people talk about a career, as opposed to being a stay-at-home mom, as if one is better than the other in any way, shape, or form. Being a stay-at-home mom, to me, <clears throat> is one of the most admirable things someone can do, or a dad, yeah. stay-at-home dad. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's really challenging. So I have such admiration for people who do that. Um, yeah. So I'm rambling, but did I answer your question? No, you totally <laughs> did. You're not rambling at all. Okay. It's perfect. It's perfect. Okay, now we're going to go into a lightning round of quick questions. Okay. Ocean or desert? Desert. Favorite junk food? Doritos. So good. Movies or Broadway show? (laughs) Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Nighttime. Texting or talking? Talking. (laughs) It's a hard one to answer, isn't it? (laughs) I did. I I love texting too, but I love talking. Me too. Yeah. Cat person or dog person? Dog. Have you ever worn a unitard? Never. Shower or bathtub? Shower. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? I'd say about a six and a half. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh. Um, My biggest pet peeve uh, is basically mean people. Mm. If you could push a button and it would create 10 years of world peace, but it would also place a hundred year ban on all beauty products, would you push it? Yes. Superpower choice, invisibility, ability to fly or super strength? Uh, Invisibility. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is or? <laughs> I heard this one and I, oh my God. Okay, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is or a third, a third eye, eye on your forehead? A third eye. Okay. Uh, what was the name of your first pet? Sparky. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Hilliard Streets. So your poor name is Sparky Hilliard. <laughs> I love I like it. it. AKA. AKA. That's right. AKA. I love it. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much. Oh my God. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for what you're doing. And if people want to find you or find your clothing, um, where can we send them? What What's the website? Instagram? Is in the Instagram, katiebrownla.com is the website. Yeah. Great. Awesome. And all of that um, for you guys who are listening will be on the show notes on milfpodcast.com. So you can go there and click it in case you're driving and you forget. You can find Katie that way. But it's just such a treasure to have you. And I can't wait to see you the next time you come to LA. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katie. Join us next week as we have the live podcast episode. So for all of you guys that weren't there, you'll be able to listen in to it. And it won't be quite the same experience, but you'll you'll get to at least feel the energy and the hilarity that ensued on stage with us. 
Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I love you. Keep going. <laughs>